occasionally with uh, Doug, Dina, and Gerard, where I'm coming from. 15 years into education now, you know, what can I do to create this equitable space? And like, you know, what? This question for those students um, that look like me and that came from uh, my community, I wanted to be an influencer for them, like for young people. Connect with more people whose mindset is goals. All right, this is speaking educationally with uh, Doug, Dina, and Gerard. All right, I guess uh, we need to talk about who's hosting tonight because, Dina, you've hosted the last two weeks, but. <laughs> If you want, I can just take it here. Hey, by the way, I do have an idea for our little intro. I didn't tell either one of you, so it's an easy one. Uh, springing it on us. <laughs> All right, I'm springing it on you. Here it is. So we're back this week, but it's only Gerard, Dean, and I. We have some guests lined up relatively soon. Um, some actually really good guests, I think, coming up soon. Some really interesting topics, but... I was thinking as it rained all weekend long, like what is your favorite season and why? Like what is your – like I have – I love – and me, I'll go first so you guys can think because I literally just sprung this on you right now. But my favorite season by far is fall. It's a, it's a, For me, it's always a restart being an educator. It's like the beginning of the school year. To me, I don't care about January 1st. Like you could throw that out. That doesn't matter. Like August or September, whatever the day it is, the first day of school is my new year. Every single year. It has been since I was six years old or five. How old you are when you go to kindergarten? So to me, fall is my favorite. And I, and I don't mind the rain. So when it rained on Saturday and Sunday, I was like, bring it on. Because you know what? My cars are covered in pollen. My eyes have been bulging out of my head. And I have a headache every other day. And I've been sneezing like crazy and coughing. But now this rain is going to wash it all away. Isn't that like a song or something? But anyway, I don't love spring. But I do love the rain. And especially love the rain in the fall. But fall is my favorite season. What do you guys got? Same here. Fall is my favorite time of year. Um I just, you know, I, it's, it's a comfort thing for me. I think when the weather gets a little bit colder, you know, I can, I can put on a sweatshirt, like a black sweatshirt that says strategic moves on it. <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> I wore mine this weekend. So did I. That is hilarious. I texted Gerard, like a picture so of me funny. wearing the sweatshirt. And I'm like, I could be a little bit bummed out that it's raining all weekend. Or look at this as one more chance for me to wear my sweatshirt. That's awesome. <laughs> that is strategic moves. That's so cool. Yes. How about you, Gerard? What's your favorite season? Man, that's we three for three. That's mine. Fall. Always always has been. Um, I'm an October baby, but it's more of like just Depending on the year, like fall is that time of year when you can kind of like, you can kind of wear what you want. Like if you wanted to wear a hoodie with a pair of shorts, you could. If you wanted to wear a t-shirt and some jeans, you could. Like depending on how you how you take the weather. And like you said, it's just kind of like that that restart. Um, right. You start thinking about like different parts of the year, reflecting and like a fresh mindset, especially as an educator. So it's fall for me. Man, that's awesome. All right, Dina, I'm going to throw it to you right away, I think, tonight, because you came up with the topic tonight. We're going to talk about the, the wokeness of America and why we don't like that term. I've joked around in many groups about the Wokarati and the Woktang clan, um, which I think is so funny. The Woktang clan is my favorite. Um, so anyway, we don't want to be a part of the Woktang clan, but we want to instill the idea of the Woktang clan. Um but Dina, you actually did some research on this and have a background story about where woke came from. I, I thought it was just a past tense of wake, but 
you have some information. Go ahead. Go ahead. You tell well, us what's going on. It, I mean, it is the it is the past tense of week. You know, it's, <laughs> it, it, it is. Um, and, but it, so I, I, you know, the the conversation has to and on and off every time. You know, it's like every once in a while, Dougie will throw out the word woke, and I'm like, oh, I can't stand that word. And <laughs> in order for me to get to a place where I'm like, why do I hate this word so much? Um, I, I needed to kind of give myself a little context. So I actually did a little bit of reading and research around the, the origins of the word woke. And so it's actually existed for about a hundred years. Um, so it, uh, I, I guess in Marcus Garvey's, you know, he had, he had used the, the phrase to stay awake. Um, you know, it, meaning what what you would think it would mean. You know, we need to 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 be mindful and aware, and so it kind of originated with him, and then um, it showed up in a Lead Belly song. So, for people who are not familiar with who Lead Belly is, um, famous blues musician, um, it, hugely influential for people who are getting into blues music, and so it showed up in one of his songs. And then it's just stayed within the black culture for, you know, ever since um, that period of time. And then I'm trying to remember um, around 2008, it showed up in uh, maybe, gosh, I can't remember. I, I, I keep, I want to say it's Erica Badu, but I'm not sure. Showed up in mm-hmm. one of her songs. And so it's kind of become a part of the culture because of black lives matter. And right. so that's kind of where the, the, the term saying woke kind of gained some level of prominence and being used more regularly. Mm-hmm. So, ha, you know, fast, fast forward to more recent times. And uh, what's bugged me so much about it is that people have appropriated the term, you know, just as what happens with a lot of terms that originate in black culture, it gets appropriated. And what's ended up happening is that, a lot of people have used it and they have turned it into what it doesn't really mean. Um, and so, you know, the joke that I made a little earlier is it's kind of like that, that meme from princess bride where Nigo Montoya is going, you keep using that word and I don't think it means what you think it means. Mm-hmm. You know? So a lot of people have, have now started to use it. People who are very conservative leaning have started to use it to, um, you know, basically say that it's that it is a liberal term, you know, people who are liberals use it. And, you know, they want to associate it with, you know, Bernie Sanders and anything that represents what it means to be liberal. And so there's now this anti woke movement pushing through, where politicians are starting to take it on the same way that they, you know, they're they're attacking critical race theory right now. And, it's just, and they're, they're, you know, they're a party to saying, you know, being anti-woke. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, so first off, why would anybody want to pride themselves on being unaware and unknowledgeable? Like, you right. know, why would doesn't anybody any want to do that? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so it's just, it, it basically is being used now as a way to try and insult people who are liberal um, and so instead of, you know, actually looking at what the term probably really means. Um, mm-hmm. so it's just, it, it bothers me. And I, I think what bothers me most is the inaccuracy. I always can't, I, I, I have a really hard time when I know that misinformation is being spread and that's, that's kind of where it, it kind of just gets underneath my skin. Yeah. Um, so, you know, hence, hence my feelings around the word woke. <laughs> 
What do you think, Gerard? I mean, I got a question for Dina, but go ahead. Um, yeah. Like, I know my use of it, I, I don't I, I don't have any problem with it. Um, I know when Dina had brought this up, it made me really, like, look at it. So when I, I looked up and I see that Oxford, the Oxford English Dictionary actually had added it as an adjective really? back in About like 2017. Two, yep. And wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, I guess originally it meant um, well-informed, up-to-date, and now it, it means alert to racial or social discrimination and injustice. And now, like, hmm. with Dina's take on it and reading this, I still don't have a problem with it, but I think it, it, there needs to be a context to it in the sense of you're going to have people that Ever since George Floyd, it's like people of black and white and of other nationalities, oh, they, they're educating themselves on this. So now they're woke. But it's one thing to educate and read and to be aware, but you can read, be aware and be involved in conversations. But with no action, are you really woke? Because you could be, well, I'm comfortable in myself. This stuff, like I'm aware of all this now. I've educated myself on this, but... Um, because of my privilege, I really don't have to do any action because I'm still going to be moving along in in yes. life. So d- should mm-hmm. I call that person woke? Yeah. Right. Or even if it's a black person that I'm calling, oh, they're 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 more woke than what they they what they were, but they're not really still taking on action where mm-hmm. they're still being divisive in their own ways um, within That's- the black community. Yeah. And that was you. You led me right into the question I have for maybe both of you. I mean, you're right. So, like, are you woke or are you just daydreaming? Right. Are you still are, have you gotten <laughs> have you woken up or are you still like you're kind of there? But like looking out the window, like not really know what's going on. And that's a problem, obviously. My question, though, though, is so I really have only heard the term woke as applied to white people. Do you think wokeness? In, in your guys' opinion, as applied to a person of color, has the same meaning, or is it come off a little different? So, like for example, I think there's added value to being white and woke. Like you get some quote unquote street cred or whatever you want to call it in the community of social justice. As a black person or as a person of color being called woke, it's almost like, eh. Like, why are we calling them woke? Shouldn't they already be woke just based on their experience? I, I don't know the answer to that question. I'm just wondering because every time I hear woke, it's referred to as a white person. I mean, very rarely am I like, man, that person of color over there is super woke about their issues. Like, all right. I mean, shouldn't they be? Like, I mean, it's kind of like assumed. I'm not saying that that's a right or wrong and I'm not putting any value judgment on it. I'm just wondering what you guys think. Like, in, in, the, black, in the black community, I think it, it carries a little bit more weight to like the more you're aware of things, how are you going to be a disruptor within your own space and context? Okay. Um, because you just can't be indulging in literature, know know what's going on. And I'm not saying you got to be one that's out there um, le- leading the marches and in the streets, but there are some things you can do within the context of um, your own world to challenge the status quo. And yeah. how to how to be strategic about it? It's um, that makes and, sense. I, and I kind of feel like isn't wokeness like ultimately the goal? Like I, I feel yeah. like it isn't it the goal? And I I, I struggle with anybody who self proclaims wokeness. Like I I struggle with that because I feel like 
you know, with as rapidly as things are changing and information is changing and our understandings of things change daily, like, I mean, you could be woke today and not tomorrow. And I feel kind of like it, it ultimately isn't the goal for us to to be that. Like, I, I, I feel like when somebody kind of self-proclaims it, as Gerard was saying, like it eliminates them from doing work necessary in order to, you know, attain a level of growth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, I mean, we, we want to continue growing and certainly, you know, 20 years ago, I, I would have said like, you know, I'm not racist. And it's like, fast forward 20 years here I am now. And I'm like, damn, those things I did were racist, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, you know, what I, what I understood about what that meant 20 years ago is very different than how I understand it today. And I feel kind of like, you know, if you self-proclaim wokeness, I mean, I don't know if you're as woke as you think you are. Hmm. Hmm. So it's not a, it's, 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 it's not a title that you, that you, that you earn, or maybe it's a title yeah. that you earn it, and not a title that you proclaim, I guess, in a way, yeah. like you don't need to say that you're actually woke. I, I totally makes sense, but I, I feel like there's an added value structure to wokeness when it comes to being white. Like, so I think that the people that I know who do this work that are white, who are considered to be woke, whether it be on social media or people I know personally, like you kind of, you always are kind of ranking yourself. Like, am I more woke than like when I said the wokeerati? I think it's funny. Like, where are you in the wokeerati? Like, where are you? Where do you fit and fall? Like, did I put out six tweets today? Did I do three it's, Facebook posts? Did I do the it's the woke the Olympics? Thing? The woke it's Olympics. The woke, Oli- yes, woke Olympics. Yeah, I knew we'd get to that. I knew we'd get to that. It's competitive wokeness. Are <laughs> <laughs> oh, you killing me right now, man? Stop. <laughs> It, All right, let me just stop the podcast because you don't want to back to what you have to get. No, oh. it is. It is so. It is so oh. the Woke Olympics. And are you a track and field athlete? Are you a figure skater? Like, what even event are you even playing? Like, what is going on here? Like, what's go ahead, Jordan. I mean, in I order for me to get to, in order for me to get there, do I have to triple lutz? Like, is you know, like, do I need to Simone Biles? Like, oh yes, you this? do. Like, I you know. I, the double pike, the double pike landed. <laughs> if you don't do that, then you're not you're not part. You can't get on the podium. Sorry, John. John no, you're gonna say something. No, it, it's it, it's mind boggling how like from the white from the white and the black perspective about woke, and then like you just said, Dean, about how it is how like kind of like your education piece now compared to twenty years ago, and I'm thinking like. Uh, it made me think about a podcast that um, I think Dina, I think you and Doug had talked about it before, Code Switch. And I uh-huh. and I know back in February during Black History Month, they had did the one episode called Becoming Black Moses, and it talked about Marcus Garvey. And then on the one piece, one. it talked about like they was playing um how how Talib Kweli had uh had referenced like him and his mission in a song. And I'm thinking all the rap that the black community and you know younger white people that listen to rap all these rappers and artists that have been trying to get us woke for years i'm like man like i remember these early 2000 songs when i did listen to rap and it's like 
they were ahead of their time with this. And it's like, oh, yeah, man, very much so. It's like, yeah. man, yeah. like I missed the boat. And then when you see people in podcasts referring to it and you mm-hmm. go back and read the lyrics, it was like, I was bobbing my head to the beat and missed the whole meaning of like, I missed a lot of educational pieces to that. So it's funny you say that because, you know, you guys know I'm a hip hop head and like spearhead everything like so. Add to my woke Olympic score right now because I'm going to tell you something right now. <laughs> Finally, it's Twins Beats had a versus uh, on Saturday or Sunday. I think it was, what's today? Tuesday? I think it was Sunday night. Talib Kweli and, and Twins Beats had a versus on Instagram. And I listened to it. And yes, I was just like, yes, they've been talking about this forever. Most Def, Black Star. I mean, all of them forever. I mean, Public yeah. Enemy, back to Public Enemy, back to like yeah. Marvin Gaye. I mean, we can go way, way. I mean, we can go back even before him, I'm sure. But yeah, I mean, I think I'm stepping up the podium on my Woke Olympics. Like, really, like, score so, right there. Uh, 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 so, uh, I have a. Go ahead. Go ahead, Gerard. No, I'm about to say an ALA teacher could, could pull up about eight of those songs in the month of February, mm-hmm. play them, and then just have the kids dissect them. Like, that, that, and research, like, that right there alone, I'm like, wow. Yeah. The, the, um, the amount of referencing of. Stuff that comes up in your your average hip hop song, like there was, a, and I'm trying to remember. Um, KRS One was huge years, on it. Too, yeah, just um, th- yes. like it's there was something done years ago about the number of words used, and I know this is this is getting off of topic a little bit, but the number of words right. used in a hip hop and rap song, like it ranks up there really high with like. Intel- you have to be of a certain intelligence to be able to do mm. certain structures and the the vocabulary that's being used. And it was that got me thinking of that. But um, I have a suggestion to make. Um, so you know how when you're watching the Olympics, they do the total number of medals. Yeah. Okay. So we can we can periodically run a woke Olympics. Yes. And so that we could say maybe tonight, Doug, you have gold. You've got the gold medal for tonight, so you've medalled. You're on. Yes. You know, you're, yes. you're gold for tonight. So we'll we'll keep score every once in a while. I want to be the Carl Lewis of wokeness. That's how I want to be. What's the swimmer's name? What's the swimmer's name? The swimmer's Michael name? Phelps. Michael, Michael Phelps. Phelps. I want to be the Michael Phelps of the woke Olympics. I want to win because you know what? Us white people, we just want to win everything, especially when it comes to being woke. <laughs> Well, you know, we we will. So, Doug, just for you, we will make the podium Mm. a checkbox. There you go. Yes, that's what I need. I needed to check it off. I want a a gold medal today. So, once you you step down off the podium, you can take your Mm. marker and check. The back of yeah. the podium. Bam. <laughs> and, and and I'm going to anoint you as the white guy in this group, the International Olympic Committee CEO, so that you can then uh, give me those medals. So I'm going to make sure that you are that person, and then you can pay me back by giving me all of the medals that I deserve. Said, Doug, give, give me my them. give me my stuff. Give me my medals. You know my address. I'll send you the money later for all the bills that it costs to pay for this. Thing. Anyway. That is so ridiculous, but it is so funny. Right. I'll send you. I'll send We're you a medal. <laughs> I'll send you a medal the next time I, I send Jason Reynolds through the mail. Yes. <laughs> so funny. All right. Um, I don't even know where we're going from here. We brought up cancel culture, but does that have to do with wokeness, or should we save that for a later time? What do you guys want to talk about after, after this wokeness? I mean, we can jump into. I mean, to me again, like to me. And Dina, I feel your frustration with 
the woke idea. At first, when I first started, you know, really starting diving into this work, I, you know, the idea of being woke was, it was, it was the goal. It was the goal for me. Like I want, I literally wanted someone to be like, dog, you're so woke. Like, and I felt like if I crossed that line and maybe this is the next level of our conversation. Like I felt like if I crossed that line and someone said, Doug, you're so woke, my work here is done. Right. And I think that's kind of where I'm feeling a little bit with some of the people that I've talked to lately. It's like, mm-hmm. your work here is not done. Like right. work here has just started or not even yet really started. Like, so I, I speak about social justice now and I talk to a lot of people, are, are you before Floyd or after Floyd? And, and there's no wrong answer. It's okay if you're before or after, as long as you're mm-hmm. continuing to do the work. And I feel like right. some of that steam, especially with some white folks, are just, it's starting to, to, to lessen. And every time that we hear about another person being killed on the news, or every time we hear about another massacre, I mean, the things about, you know, and I don't know, I don't necessarily need to jump into this, but the, the Tulsa massacre that I didn't know anything about, which was Black Wall Street. When, when I first heard Black Wall Street, like maybe a year ago, I was like, what, in New York? They had a black section of people that were investing? Like, I had no idea. And then I realized, like, Greenwood, which is also the name of the bank of Killer Mike, yep. which I'm going to get some woke points for this. Killer Mike's <laughs> starting a bank called Greenwood. There That's you go. Bank, so, so I get a gold medal again. Dina, thank you. I'll, send, I'll accept <laughs> that when I get it. Um, but, you know, that being said, you know, he's on top of it. Like he called it Greenwood for a reason. And I didn't know until literally three weeks ago when, when 60 Minutes did the story and like the town called Greenwood in Tulsa was burned down. And I'm like, damn, like, yep. so why do we think we're losing the steam here? Like why are white people losing the steam? I guess it's a better way of saying it. Uh, you guys have an answer? Can you can you help? Can you can you solve the world's problems or what? Uh, I don't know. Ally, <laughs> ally fatigue. <laughs> uh. It's it, which is never a t- it, it's not a term I even heard until more recently. But there, you know, there's been a lot of um, of calling out of you know people who were white people who were so gung ho to be in support of you know what was happening a year ago, and then all of a sudden it's like you know people are nowhere to be found, you know, yeah. it's, you know, and it's like they, it's like they got ally fatigue and, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it's, you know, and I, and I think everybody has to kind of do this work in a way that's going to be meaningful. And, you know, I certainly kind of feel like if you're, if you're not going to be meaningful in the process, maybe you need to step aside so that people can kind of, you know, do what they need to do. But, you know, I still go, I still stand by the fact that, as human beings, we have a responsibility to each other, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. and it's like, yeah, you know, that. it just bottom line with it is that we have a responsibility to each other. And so, you know, I am responsible to people who are dealing with unimaginable things right now, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, and, you know, and I, I have to be able to continue to support. And can I say that I am, a good human being if I'm not willing to support other people where they struggle. That's the truth. Yeah. No, that's really well said. I don't know, Jared, do you want to jump in? What's going on with the steam? People's steam falling. <laughs> yeah. do you, you got any reasons for it? Any ideas or thoughts? Um, that, that it just boggles my mind. Cause it's like, honestly, some people, it's like, I never see them either gather the steam because they knew that they could still, you know, stay in their bubble. And it's like, okay, just, just, just know, like, you can stay, like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be meddling with you. You can stay in your lane, but just know, as situations arise, the, the quietness from my part won't be the same level of quietness. And I'm gonna be strategic about how we have to 
how we have to maneuver because, yeah, I understand. I hear the ally fatigue, but ain't no fatigue like being a black man in America every day of your life. Absolutely. There's no fatigue like that. And it's it's, it's crazy because I think it's sometimes um, – and I got I got to make a a biblical reference about counting, you know, counting up the costs before you jump into something. And it's like sometimes people are just so gung ho to like come to the front. And I think once they seen the level of work of like, oh, this mm-hmm. ain't just just mm-hmm. reading a book. Like this is like a everyday thing. Mm-hmm. I think that that's when the steam started. Once the realization hit, like, wow, like. It's this much, like it's this much racism and, um, you know, institutional racism embedded in all walks of life. Like, wow, like this might be a little bit too much, and I bargained for. Mm-hmm. No, that's a good point, and I think you really made me think about something. So, I think the really good white excuse has always been like, but they come from families where there's no dad, mm-hmm. right? They grow up in the hood. Like, you know, like those kids, like those kids mentality, like, I mean, as an educator, it's those kids, but for adults or whatever, like you got gangs fighting gangs, look, they're shooting each other. Like, like there's always those really easy excuses to explain away the problems that we as white people created until you start unpacking those layers mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, shoot, like. If Tulsa didn't happen, and I'm, I'm going to use this as a reference because I know I saw this article today that was amazing. I don't want to get into it because it will take us completely off subject. But if Tulsa didn't happen, like the people that were gaining money then, there could have been like three or four Rockefellers. Like they could have then expanded that beyond belief. And then that could have been something huge and amazing for the black community. But because of Tulsa, because certain people got out when they did – they went into exile and they didn't continue the, the entrepreneurship and, and they gave up everything that they had, all the wealth that they had, which could have been, again, the Robert Johnsons of the world, the CEO of, of Lowe's who can do amazing things for people, the Jay-Z's of the world who can yeah. do amazing things for people. And there's hundreds of those stories. Like Tulsa isn't the only black Wall Street, I guess is my mm-hmm. point. And because of that, and because of the idea that white people can just blame all of those things that are stereotypically things that you blame black people for as a white person, it, it when that work hits you in the face, you can become somewhat self-aware and say, I'm doing this for good reasons. But when you really start to look inside of yourself, and I think to conversations we've had on this podcast a lot of times before, it's that shame and guilt that you have to just like grapple with for a minute and be like, listen, it's not my fault, but what can I do? Like, what can I do? How can I reach out to somebody? What can I do more that's going to support or help all of us, and back to your point, Dina, the human side of it, like, aren't we all human? Aren't we all here together? Aren't we all American? Like, shouldn't we all succeed? Why can't we? There's no yep. reason why we can't, as long as we work together and collectively liberate each other. So, I don't know. We got real deep after getting silly for a minute. But- <laughs> no, it's, no, it, it, it goes a lot. Like, it's just so much to unpack, like, even with redlining, and it's just so yep. much to unpack. Like, like we look at... um you know, Black Wall Street and some of those entrepreneurs. And then now if you look at the white community, not saying every white person, but there are quite a, quite a bit of white people that may not even be middle class, but they know within 15 to 30 years, they're going to be middle upper class when when old pop-up, when old pop-up that has so many acres of farmland is not doing nothing, you already know it's going to end up in some of your family's lap and y'all going to divide and that's going to up your status where 
A lot of the black, a lot of us black folks, we don't have that luxury of mm-hmm. uh, pop out ain't giving us nothing. He, it's got his goods got to go to somebody. We don't, we don't have that luxury. So it's like yeah. that cycle. And it didn't just, you know, when you 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 set aside the trauma of the whole event, <clears throat> you know, it just that the the trauma unto itself, you know, is is huge. You set aside the trauma of that. I mean, it it decimated completely decimated generational wealth for those black families and you know it just it is just beyond me how people don't understand how absolutely horrific that is you know it just it's you know it and if this had happened to white people the way that it happened to black people um, how much differently this would have been handled and how people would have continued to talk about it. Um, mm-hmm. But that's, you know, and, and I think I'd shared with you all earlier, like I, I understood the origins of what happened. What I didn't understand was like the, the bombing that occurred. Like I had no idea. My wife said and the so same it's, thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and I think about like, you know, it wasn't just, it wasn't just black men. It was black men and their families. It was mm-hmm. black fathers and their children and their wives and their daughters. Like mm-hmm. that, like to me, it's like as a human being um, who, you know, who is a daughter, who is a mother, who is a sister. Like I think about that and I think about it in the context of that. And it's like, I cannot begin to imagine how horrific a thing this was for people to have experienced. Yeah, you know, and, the, and it's and, yeah, and the police set up outside the perimeter to make sure they stayed in there, so that it was yeah. a complete massacre. Mm-hmm. So there was no yeah. memory of it. So there was no history of it. I mean, it's. I mean, that was on purpose. So, but I mean, it goes even beyond that. I mean, think about the Japanese internment camps during World War II. I mean, it's probably the same idea. I mean, how many of those people owned businesses or did this mm-hmm. or did that? And that was just like a huge like. We have a great excuse to lock up a people, a bunch of people of color. Like again, they didn't murder everybody necessarily, but mm-hmm. it's, it's like <laughs> I mean, they, I don't know. It's like they, it's like they put them right back in slavery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, and did and do the thing that they love to do, you know, in the media, which is it's like you know, let let's go take pictures of all of these Japanese people who are all gathered together. Look, they're going to dances and having a great time. You know, these internment camps—they're yeah. not that bad. You know, they're right retreating them. <laughs> Yep. It's like, you know, they're going, they're going on a retreat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, they're having a good time. You know, it's, oh, it's just, it, it's disturbing. And, you know, and the, and I think the more that we get into the history of it, the, the more horrific my understanding of what's happened and what's come mm-hmm. before me is, but in order for me to understand how I need to move forward and navigate life, I have to, to confront those things, mm-hmm. not just with stuff with myself, but stuff that is a part of our history where before we lose more people, you know, because our, our, you know, the, the, per, the, the oldest living person who experienced, um, you know, Tulsa was, is 102 years old mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she just recently got to testify. And it's like, you know, we're losing our, you know, our, our Jewish people who experience the Holocaust, you know, they're at a point now where they're all starting to pass, um, you know, and we're losing these things. And so before 
we lose everybody. You know, we need people, we need to be able to have these conversations with people who experienced this firsthand and were alive during this time. Um, you know, because we, we don't learn, we don't know. And if all we have is what media put out, you know, when it occurred, we've seen what those headlines look like. They're not accurate. And they really favor the side of the white people who did all of the atrocious things. Mm -hmm. Um, So we need to be able to, to hear people's experiences and understand their stories and know what they're, what they went through. Um, As horrible as it is, the only way that we are going to be able to learn and grow from that is to understand other people's experiences. Yeah. So maybe that can bring us to, I think maybe it was our last question for today, the connectedness advantage versus, and wokeness, <laughs> getting back to wokeness and our woke Olympics. Um, so Dina, you brought up a lot of things. You already brought up a lot of things. I brought up a lot of things. So the only way that I can explain how I know all of this stuff is the fact that I'm connected with you two, but also a lot of other people that bring it to my attention, right? So mm-hmm. what do you think the value is in being connected? I mean, before the show, we were talking about how it's hard to talk to people sometimes about all of this sort of stuff. If they're not connected, not that we can't have those conversations because we can, and not that they can't be great people. And I don't mean just white people. I mean, all people, they can all be great people, but it's easier when they're connected and they're in those circles. Like, so how important do you think being connected is and kind of the idea of, you know, cause right now I'm winning the woke Olympics as of tonight. I'm just saying with you three, <laughs> I'm in the lead by far. Um, like if we're running a race, I'm just saying Bolt and you guys are like, I don't even know. I don't know who you guys are. Michael Phelps running that. I mean, I don't know. But there, there is no need to 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 gloat to <laughs> your. There, there is no need to do comparative wokeness. Okay, right. Not so. during the episode. We can do it afterwards. <laughs> all right. I, I am more than happy to stand by that the medal rankings at this point in time is Doug 2. Doug 2. You guys 0? So anyway, I'm just, I'm totally kidding. Totally kidding. But what is the value of being connected when it comes to this sort of work? I mean, I, people that probably listen to this episode are already connected, but if they pass it on to somebody else, like what would you say is that value added for being connected and social justice or. So uh, it's, I have a, I have a very personal story that kind of goes with this and I uh, it's so, and I'm trying to remember how, how the, the origins of all this happened for me. Um, But when I was, and I'm, I'm thinking at this point, it's been, Oh my gosh, it's been six years at this point um, Mm -hmm. that I had first started to connect with other educators over Twitter. That was like my kind of, my kind of venture into it. And a lot of it is because I wasn't getting what I needed both as an educator who constantly wants to learn. I wasn't getting what I needed um, through my own district. And I, there was a huge chunk, like I, I wasn't, happy where I was in my career. Um, not with being a teacher, like I love being a teacher, but there was so much growth that I needed to make. And I felt like I wasn't getting that need met. And Mm. so, um, to my principal's credit, she got us all doing Twitter chats. And so, you know, and I know for some people they've been doing Twitter chats for seven or eight years, but that was like that for me. So 2015 was like really a first year I kind of got onto Twitter. Like I had had a Twitter account for two or three years by that point, but never really used it. And at that point it was like, okay, I started doing Twitter chats. And then, um, I was listening to 
a cult of pedagogy episode where Victor was on. Mm. And that our Victor, and, Victor Smalls, yes, Doctor yes, Smalls, on, with Jennifer yes. Gonzalez, nice, yeah, Doctor Smalls. We can officially call him Doctor now. Doctor yeah, um, Smalls. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had I, I listened to that episode and. I, I reached out to him and I reach out to people all the time and people don't get back to me, you know, yeah. but Victor got back to me and I started doing the restorative justice chats on mm. Sunday nights mm. because of that. And so that kind of in connecting with several other educators who I considered all be friends. Now, these were people that I once like, you know, I kind of, I was joking around with my friend Jeff the other day where I'm like, I totally like, you know, when, when we first met, and he followed me back. I'm like, oh my gosh, like mm-hmm. Jeff Reedens followed me back, you know? And I, I was like, oh my, you know, and I, I kind of was yeah. like, I fanboyed a little bit over this. Yeah. And, and, and I was like, but you know, now, I, and I said to him, you know, you're just Jeff now. Like you're, you're just, you're my friend now. And, and he's like, well, that's kind of how it should be. I'm like, yeah, but when somebody that you have such respect for kind of follows you back or like says something positive it's like cornelius minor when i got to talk to cornelius minor i was like beside myself you know because i just love him so much i have so much respect for him but it was it was these connections that i built over a period of two three years that it really honestly saved my life like i don't know that i would have been able to stay in teaching um and then it was like then it rolled into fast forward you know Gerard and I got connected over Twitter, like considering the fact that we were in the same district and didn't even know each other and then connected over Twitter, you know, and, you know, so that kind of, that happened. And then it ended up, you know, we, we both ended up at EdCamp the same, Mm -hmm. the same time. And that's where I met you, Doug. So it was Mm -hmm. like, so all these things kind of came together for me. And if I didn't have this connection, I, I don't know that I would have stayed in education because I was so incredibly miserable and there were people who helped me to understand there was a different way to do things. And, you know, here I am. And so it's like all of these people have been significant in my, my growth and my development, not just as a teacher, but as, you know, as, as a human being, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, I'm, I'm now at a point where it's like, I feel like I'm doing better and I'm doing good in the world. And I wouldn't have been able to do this had it not been for having these connections. And, you know, and thank God for Michelle Newell, again, a guest who's been mm-hmm. on our show. Um, and it's like, you know, we, Michelle and, and I, we talked Deanna's several times. Shout out everybody tonight. Yeah. She loves you guys. That's right. And, shout and out. And, and it is genuinely <laughs> because. It is genuinely because they have really, you know, it's like they, their willingness to have a conversation and mm-hmm. to Absolutely. help, you know, help build that and to give me feedback that I needed to hear. And, and sometimes it's, it's not what you want to hear. It's what you need to hear, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and which is why one of the reasons I love Michelle so much, because she's going to tell you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. And I love that. Um, Yeah. Well, she, she says what she does, not because she doesn't care, but because she does love you, you know? (laughs) Yes. I said it completely the wrong way. And if she (laughs) listens to this, she knows I didn't mean it like that, but yes, I uh, 100% agree. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And so I, I couldn't have done, I couldn't have I've done the things I've done in the last three years without that connection. And it's something that I, I, 
I, I write down almost every single day when I am like mapping out what I'm grateful for. It's one of the things that I say every day that I'm grateful for. And I, I don't know what I could have gotten to this point in my life without having that connection with, with all these other people. So that's awesome. Yeah. What about you, Gerard? What is, what, I mean, I know we talk about this a lot, but what has your connections been um, for you with this? Work? It has been, it's been golden. Cause I felt it was like I was stagnant in my career and like everybody around, it's just like, you go to work, you teach, you go home, but it's like, there's got to be more to this thing. And then the PD just seemed like it was recycled. So Twitter just opened up so many possibilities of connecting with other people. And it even, it even goes beyond the professional. Like you get, you get connecting with people on Twitter, um, Voxer, and then just like certain things that they might just drop in a chat or drop on Twitter like maybe a TV series that kind of relates to life, not just something pure entertainment, just like all types of things that you can check out. And then it's like, wow, like I can use this in my marriage. I can use this in my relationship with my kids. Um, mm. I can use this with my church, like just certain things. Um, cause it's funny. Cause I asked when I ask some people, do you listen to podcasts? Nah, I ain't really into those or, or are you on Twitter? Like, like I don't want to be that boring guy, but like I need my I need my world to have a a whole bunch of options on the menu, because mm-hmm. then as more as uh, the more well rounded I am, like if I'm if I'm connecting with um, educators on Twitter and some of them are you know they're Indian they're from India and I'm seeing yeah. the things they're putting out, then I walk in my school and I got a population of Indian students or Muslim students. Like without even picking up a book, I have a working knowledge of certain things they may be dealing with just based mm-hmm. on my Twitter connections. And it's just like right. something that a regimen that I do every week of, you know, scrolling Twitter or you hearing things on Vox or seeing certain things people putting out. You can immediately turn it over and it can work for you and benefit you and your students and help you get over some humps where you didn't have to like go reading a book or searching for right. a training. Right. Like it's just. I, it, 2021 so, you just cannot you can't you can't afford not to be connected yeah so n- you gotta name drop some people dina throughout <laughs> oh, okay. at least two I, I got three in my head right now oh, okay. name drop oh, i can I name drop some people like <laughs> dr sarah thomas sheldon Eakins, oh you so mine t- <laughs> sorry, sorry. T- t- hold on i got the i got the i got the good on list doc dr will um See so you about Dr. Will's great. You about to get me. Um, you about to get me really. All right, all right. You, you, you scroll. Let me go. R- R- then you come, I'll come oh, back I got to keep on. Rochelle, Danae, Rochelle, Danae, Poth. Um, who, 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 who else? I'm, I'm scrolling through here. Uh, Randall, <laughs> Doctor Randall Sampson. Yes, he's good. He's really good. Stubbs. Uh, Ron Madison out of uh out of outside of Detroit, yep. Flint, Michigan. Oh, the, 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 the list just goes on and on. Um, like, um, look, I, I, look, look, Doug, like, oh, uh, Dr. Ray Wood. Oh, I know. Yeah. Um, Dr. Ray Wood is really good. She's awesome. Oh, I'm telling you, um, uh, John, John Martinez out of California. Um, I'm just waiting for you to say something that blocks me. I'll be like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, Doug, not you. <laughs> no. 
but you go ahead, Doug, because I'm a, I'm a name drop right. about ten other people yeah, for this podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll come back to you. But so so here's my connected story. So, and I'm gonna take this back, and I don't know if you guys know, and I'm gonna name drop right off the bat, Brian Costello. Ooh, he uh-huh. is a teacher in New Jersey. He, I don't even know what he does now. We're gonna just throw his name out there. He um. He said something a while ago in a boxer group. He said, you know what? You know, like the idea around being connected and the, the, the like life home passion or, or, or like balance. He said there is no life home balance. And he, and he finally made it make sense to me. He says, you know what? You are who you are. Like I think about kids, education, school and all of this sort of work 24 seven. My wife hates it. I mean, she, I shouldn't say that. She loves it, but she also, it, I, there is no balance, right? It's just who you are as a person. And he kind of gave me permission in a way because of the way that he put it. And I, and I wish I had that, that, that conversation I had with him about it, but said that, you know what, as long as you are constantly adjusting between, you know, Saturday is time with kids. I need to spend 90% of my time with my kids on Saturday. Sunday might be something happens. So I got to spend 50% of my time with my school and 50% of my time with the kids. Mondays, 80% school, 20% kids, like, or whatever that balance is, it always is adjusting. So I would say for him, he really helped me understand what it meant to be connected and understand that that balance is a trend or, or, or a line that constantly moves. It's not 50, 50, it's not 60, 40, it's not 90, 10. It's just whatever it is in the moment that you need for whatever it is that you have. And then the second person, and I got to give it up to my boy. You know what I'm going to say. Justin Slider. Oh, I mean, I wrote his name down. The, the shout out. There's, you no got one, there's no one. There's no one that has not connected me with more people than that dude right there. Like, Brian Scott told me what to do. And then Justin said, like, this is how you do it. And Justin was like, I mean, he and I have been friends since 2014, 15 or whatever. But he is really, I mean, I will give him 100% credit for teaching me how to be a connected educator. Um, and then Sarah Thomas, again, the doctor to S to the J to the T, and that's what I like to call her. Because she has always been like the model for what you do. And I always love the fact that I can reach out to her at any moment and she'll get back to me right away and be like, what do you think, Dr. Thomas? And she's always there to help and support me. Um, but those three, I think, you know, are more than... And there's so many others, and I, I feel like if I put this podcast, we're gonna put this podcast out there. I know there's so many leaving me out of me, but yeah. there are so many others. But I got those I'm, three. I'm already thinking there's like three other people that have popped into my head, and I'm like, you know, how can I not? How can I not mention? You know, about their Shel Macons, You know, like how yeah, can I not mention Macons? Because yeah. you know, and it's like, and Sheldon and I connected because of the you know the restorative justice chats. Like we, that's how we first got to know each other, and. You know, so it, it just, I feel like, you know, this circle has just continued to grow and like, I, I don't know, I don't know where I would be, you know, just as a human being without having had this for, you know, the last six years of my life. Like, I, yeah. I don't know. And can we put this caveat out there? What we're really talking about is the idea around social justice. There are so many connected educators that I communicate with on a regular basis that help me with like technology or game-based education, but don't necessarily help us or me with social justice. So I just want to put that out there. I don't want anyone to feel slighted because they weren't mentioned or whatever, but I think this has to do directly with social justice and just being connected around it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't want nobody to feel slighted, but there are some names I got to shout out just because of the, the, the part of the, 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 part of the journey. We're going on two 
hours. Oh, okay, God. so Doug two, Gerard one. <laughs> yeah, that's it, Gerard. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's it. All right. All right. Now I'm mad. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> Elizabeth Merce from Virginia. Heather Lippert, Maureen Hayes from oh, PA, Stanger. New Jersey, Don Sturm, Matt Larson, he's out of uh, Jersey, John Craig out of PA, Naomi Austin out of Missouri, Stephanie Brown, and I know y'all know Demetrius Ball. Mm-hmm. Demetrius, yes. yes. Like, yeah. just hearing them on a, like, some of their tweets and hearing them in a Voxer group, even if you lurking, like, they be... They be bringing some knowledge in. It ain't book knowledge. Like, it be knowledge based off their experiences. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. No, that's, I love this. We should put this out on, on Friday, like Follow Friday. But Oh, yeah. We've no, got, we got to do a Follow Friday. Follow yes. Friday. I haven't seen that yes. in a long time. All right, y'all. You got anything else or are we good for now? I'm good. This was a good one. Dina, I'm good. This was uh-huh. this was awesome. <laughs> it didn't go like we were playing, but that's how it usually <laughs> Never happens. Does. Right. Never it, does. Ain't nothing like organic conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Educationally with uh, Doug, Dina, and Gerard. 